this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of trekking through compliance. His mission, to explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Episode 15, Shore Leave, start eight. 3025.3. An Earth-like uninhabited planet in the Omicron Delta region seems the ideal location for rest and relaxation for the tired crew of the Enterprise. However, strange things start happening when the crew beams down. McCoy sees Alice and a white rabbit. Sulu sees an antique police special pistol. Yomon Barrels is accosted by Don Juan and Esteban Rodriguez and Angela C. Birds. No one believes McCoy's Alice sighting until Kirk beams down and spots a giant rabbit track. Kirk cancels Shirley for the rest of the crew, but is then confronted with practical Joker Finnegan from his days at Starfleet Academy on the one hand and his former girlfriend Ruth on the other. Meanwhile, Sulu has been attacked by a samurai, Rodriguez and Angela have been confronted by a tiger, and Bones is making moves on Yeoman Barrels, who has found Princess's clothing. Spock, meanwhile, reports from the Enterprise that he has detected a sophisticated power field on the planet which is draining the Enterprise's energy. Spock beams down to help investigate just as communications with the ship are becoming impossible. Pleasure overseeing Beryl's dress as a princess soon turns to terror when Bones is lanced by a knight. After Bones is skewered, Kirk shoots the knife with a gun he has confiscated from Sulu. Investigation of the knight shows him to have the same cellular structure as plants on the planet, and Spock surmises that it has all been manufactured. A Japanese Zero plane then strafes Angela and Rodriguez, fortunately missing them. During the commotion, the bodies of the dead knight and McCoy mysteriously disappear. After asking Kirk what he was thinking about prior to encountering Finnegan, Spock realizes the apparitions are created out of the minds of the landing party. Upon thinking about the academy again, Kirk conjures up Finnegan and heads off on a wild chase after him. After Kirk catches up with Finnegan, Finnegan then lays him out flat. After more hand-to-hand fighting, Kirk finally succeeds in doing something he has never done before, defeating Finnegan. Suddenly, the planet's caretaker appears with a repaired McCoy on the arms of two cabaret girls from Rigel II. The caretaker apologizes for the misunderstanding and offers the services of the amusement park planet to the Enterprise's weary crew. Kirk accepts and authorizes the crew to beam down, but Spock has had his fill of shore leave and requests to be returned to the Enterprise. So, what are some of the fun facts of this case? 
Composer Gerald Freed based Finnegan's theme on an Irish jig he heard during the climactic fight scene between John Wayne and Victor McLaughlin in the classic movie The Quiet Man. If you recall that fight scene, it was really quite spectacular. It took up a good five minutes at the end of the film. So what are some of the compliance takeaways from this episode? I think the first one really involves Kirk and Finnegan. And that's when you see a fact from your past, you cannot interpret it as that simply that, a fact from your past. You must interpret it in light of your current situation. Kirk cannot understand why Finnegan could still get the goods on him after all of these years. And at the end, as Finnegan points out, Jimmy boy, I'm 25, just like you remember me. So... The fact that Kirk didn't recognize this uh, really led to him taking a pretty pretty severe beating. And when he finally changed up and realized that he had to go with the facts on the ground, then he uh, was able to overcome Finnegan, which indeed was what he wanted to do all of those years anyway. But for the compliance practitioner or the chief compliance officer, I think that means you need to interpret facts uh, based upon uh, current day experiences and particularly around the data that you receive. Simply because someone does something or something appears one way and that's the way it's appeared in the past does not mean uh, that that you're tied to that interpretation going forward. And clearly, um, if you have had unethical behavior or even uh, behavior that went up to the line of unethicalness, then you will need to consider that as a factor going forward. That's indeed the basis of red flags. Remember, a red flag does not mean that you cannot do business with someone. It simply means that additional research must be done to clear the red flag. But even if you can't clear the red flag, you should recall that it's simply an enhanced risk. And if you have an enhanced risk, you can have an enhanced risk management strategy. Typically around third parties would be the uh, prime example of this, but there can be other examples as well. So when you see a fact from your past, interpret it in light of current experience. And that current experience might be that you have an enhanced ability to engage in a risk management strategy. That really leads to point number two, which is what is a risk? The uh, Japanese zero, which appeared and strafed Rodriguez and Angela. Uh, Angela asks, is it dangerous, uh, the plane flying above them? And Rodriguez says, no, it's not unless he goes on a strafing run, which, of course, is then what the plane proceeds to do. The plane was flying at 5, 10, 20,000 feet uh, or anywhere in between. It may not have been a danger to Rodriguez and Angela. However, when it went on its strafing run, then they had to turn tail and run. So what is a risk is uh, one thing a risk at uh, 5,000 feet and another thing at uh, 50 or 100 feet. Uh, you bet it could be a, a different risk. So think about that. Think about what is a risk. Think about how risks change. And then the final point is at the end of the episode where the caretaker uh basically invites the crew of the Enterprise to come down on shore leave with an appropriate set of warnings from the captain. And it just goes to show that, as a CCO, sometimes you're going to need to have some fun, and you can have the, the rest of your team have fun too. 
I hope you'll join me tomorrow where we will take up episode 16, The Galileo 7. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.